Good Monday. Cougar Nation, welcome back inside the Coordinator's Corner presented by JCW's The Burger Boys. We are live in Studio C at the beautiful BYU Broadcasting Building in Provo as we are every Monday during game week. And on this week's show, we visit with special teams coordinator Ed Lamb and defensive coordinator Elisa Tuiaki. As always, we invite your questions for the coaches. You can submit them using hashtag CCBYU, and we'll get to your questions a little bit later on in the broadcast. We kick off today's show by saying hello to special teams coordinator, linebackers coach, and assistant head coach Ed Lamb. Hello, Ed. Oh, glad to be here as always. So uh, every win is a good win, of course. Uh, just just so happens that, that certain wins feel a little better than others. And Saturday, Saturday night felt pretty great in Knoxville. It was great. The come-from-behind victories always are exciting. And um, you know, from my perspective, the way that the team played together until the end, that was, that was really, I thought, the number one thing we needed to address uh, defensively and with our special teams from week one to week two was just playing playing hard regardless of score, playing hard regardless of uh, situation, and I thought that our guys did that till the, till the very end. And um, I thought that the whole team believed in each other all the way until the end, and it, and it showed. It was a double-digit comeback, and those are kind of rare and very satisfying. Uh, similarities, perhaps, we maybe alluded to it last week, the setup at least. You, last year you lost a home opener against a P5, then we had to go on the road the very next week, uh, far from home, play another tough P5, and that was the Wisconsin game. You won that game. Uh, setup was a little bit different, different opponents, but still, you lost a home opener, disappointing, had to go on the road, take on another P5. You've already won under duress against good teams in the past, and you guys did kind of the same thing. We did, and, and I thought this, this one had the added element of, I think we took Tennessee's best shot for, for really two quarters, and... You know, the Wisconsin game, we jumped out to a, an early lead, and we were competitive the whole time. Our team was up and excited the whole time. I, I think there was never any doubt in that game because of the way the game went. Uh, we got some early stops, too, in that game. But but in this game, we got scored on right away. Um, the communication was, was uh, an issue for our offense and our defense, which is usually not an issue. We had some snap problems. The noise, right? Crowd noise. Crowd noise. Crowd yeah. noise. And, um, and Tennessee came out just completely more aggressive on offense and defense, more aggressive in scheme, more aggressive in the way they played. Um, credit the offense. I thought I thought uh, there at the end of the second quarter and through the second half, we began to use Tennessee's aggression and speed against them. And uh, I thought that was really the key turning point in the game. But uh, defensively, we had, to, we had to gather ourselves offensively, special teams as well. They had great returners. Our kickers did a great job of keeping them out of the game. It was just a, a hard-fought battle from behind the whole game. And it wasn't, if we look a little closer at the game now, it wasn't the fastest of starts for BYU. Uh, Tennessee, as you mentioned, scored first in kind of a fluky way, too. Uh, your inside linebacker, Kavika Fonua, uh, was in position to make a play, and he kind of makes it, but he gets a bad bounce. He did, yeah. He made the play, and, and uh, you know, a lot of times it's in, in that situation, you're hoping that we can make, turn a, uh, a batted ball into an interception. But in, in this case, he just it could barely get one hand up, was caught on the wrong foot a little bit. We had great coverage to the intended receiver. You can see Isaiah yeah. Heron there in the back is making a great play on the intended receiver. It just uh, you know, didn't work out in our favor. And there's always a little bit of luck both, both ways in each game. Yeah, that tight end was covered well in the back of the end zone. Of course, it goes to the guy that happens to be at the right place, yeah. for them at least. Uh, BYU did get in the red zone in the second possession of the game. And then Jake Oldroyd keeps your red zone scoring streak alive with a 31-yard field goal. Another strong start for Jake. He really has been, we're two games in, one of the most consistent players on your team. He'd have a bigger role later, of course. Uh, yeah, he has been. He's, uh, he's got ice in his veins. Um, 
you know, when we try to create stress in practice, either by bringing the whole team in or getting some kind of competitive situation, he's at his best, and it, it appears that he's like that in the games as well. Now, BYU trails 7-3 after one in this game. Now, the Vols had three second-quarter possessions. BYU gets a fourth down stop on one of them and then holds Tennessee to field goal tries inside the 35 on the other two. So while BYU get to get going on offense, Tennessee wasn't getting away from you. Defense was keeping you guys in the game. Yeah, defense was playing really hard. We weren't playing uh, the, the speed of the game. I thought Tennessee came out more aggressive. They came out and ran the ball more off tackle than they had, and so we, uh, I, don't, I didn't think our guys were as prepared as they should have been from a coaching standpoint for the off tackle play. A big part of that is uh, at the linebackers. I thought we didn't we didn't hold up well in the first half there on the off tackle play. Um, made some corrections at halftime, and I think our guys got used to the speed of the game. and um, And I thought we were much better in the second half. But uh, too many big plays against the defense, particularly off tackle runs. There was a big play right before halftime, though, by the defense. Austin Lee, who had a really nice night yeah. too, with a pass break up in the end zone. Jawan Jennings has two hands. He thinks he's got a touchdown. Yeah. And then Austin Lee took it away. Yeah, yeah, great job by Austin. It was a zone defense, and Austin had his eyes on the quarterback, which, we, which is what we're supposed to do. The big, the big uh, issue there for us schematically is, is Austin should have never been counted on to make that play. We uh, should have had a safety in the deep middle of the field, and he came out of his coverage a little bit, and Austin protected him. So yeah, that's one thing. See the pump fake right there by the quarterback? Mm-hmm. So he pump faked one safety, but he also pump faked the other safety and didn't really account for that. Austin did a great job. If he would not have been looking at the quarterback, it would have been a – a touchdown. And so while BYU's down 10, again, things haven't really gotten away from you. And offensively, not a lot happening, but also no turnovers. It was a clean half that way. Yeah, yeah, we feel really good. Uh, you know, Coach Grimes talks about it all the time to our offenses, say, hey, we've got a good football team. We, we can play defense, keep the ball in front of us. We've got a good punter that can flip the field. Um, priority number one is to keep possession of the football. And then uh, I, I thought our offense did obviously a great job of that the whole game, kept us in it. What adjustments were to be made when you guys went in at halftime down 13-3? Uh, number one thing we had to do was get a, a little more reaction uh, out of the linebacker spot on, on outside run, on uh, off-tackle run to the perimeter. Uh, we, were, we were playing it more like inside run, and uh, you know, it was costing us. It was, it was causing our secondary to have to shed blocks sooner than, they, than we would normally ask them to do, and they were, they were basically just beating us on the perimeter. Uh, once that was shored up, that was a lot better from a defensive standpoint. Didn't make any any uh, schematic adjustments. And then, as I said, offensively, I thought really was some some point in the second quarter where we began to use uh, Tennessee's um, uh, speed and aggression really more against them. And Zach did a great job of pulling out some pulling out some handoffs and throwing some some short passes mm-hmm. that turned into medium to longer gains. It was a much better game for BYU after halftime offensively and into the overtime, which we will get to when we come back. The comeback, how BYU rallied for an overtime win in Knoxville. And we look at a pair of uh, Players of the Week, even more Players of the Week on special teams and offense. As we head to break, a reminder about the BYU football with Kalani Sitake Tuesdays at 8.30 Eastern, 5.30 Pacific on the BYU TV app. And then Wednesdays at 1 o'clock Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific on BYU TV. Tomorrow's player guest, by the way, is Micah Simon. More from him a little later. And more with Coach Lamb is coming up next. You're in the Coordinator's Corner, brought to you by JCW's the Burger Boys, back with more right after this. To get the game to overtime, Jake Oldroyd, the right-footed kicker. Snap, hold, kick on its way. Money. It is through for three. Jake, the make, does it again. 
Welcome back to the Coordinator's Corner. That was how BYU ultimately got from down 10 to overtime this past Saturday night in Knoxville. The Cougs would then go on to a 29-26 win in double OT. But some more on how we got there as we visit with coach and special teams coordinator Ed Lamb. Special teams, obviously, huge part of the comeback. But uh, BYU's one defensive takeaway, and there was just one in the game, and then the turnover-free game on offense, equally huge. And the comeback essentially starts with that one takeaway. Kavika Fonua picks off a pass early in the third quarter. It was the spark I think you guys are looking for. Yeah, Kavika's really, a, he, he does such a great job of reading the quarterback's eyes. He has a great feel for the game of football. Football IQ, we call it. He just has a great sense for where the quarterback's looking, where he's going. He, he, he did it on, the, on their first touchdown, and it didn't didn't pay off our way, but you can see him right here. He, he never takes his eyes off the quarterback. The quarterback never sees him, and uh, that's, that's exactly the job that he was supposed to do is patrol the, the medium-range middle of the field right there. And uh, where guys get into trouble sometimes at the linebacker spot is they want to look up routes, see if there's a crossing route, see if there's a bender route. Kavika never took his eyes off the quarterback and just had a sense for where the ball was going. And one of those guys who's played both sides of the ball, uh, good hands, knows what to do with it when he gets it. That's right. Yeah, he's, he's, uh, he's got incredible speed. Um, I've, I've talked about it before. Sometimes he, I've underestimated how fast he is because he's so smooth when he runs, covers a lot of ground with his strides. Now, Tyson Williams' first touchdown came soon thereafter, makes it 13-10 Tennessee ballgame. Now we're in it. Uh, both teams then exchange field goals over the third and the fourth quarters. It sets up the last-minute dramatics. But first, and this is an important first, BYU had to keep Tennessee from running out the clock, which they had a chance to do late in the game, right? Yeah, we had a couple of timeouts in our pocket. We always like to save those for offense, but we, the situation uh, didn't allow. And so, you know, we, we had a, a fourth down situation where we, you know, it was fourth and medium, and, and you know, we, there's a chance we could have got a first down right there, but the decision was made, punt the ball and, and pin them. Playing, uh, that's called four-minute defense, right? There's roughly four minutes left to go in the game, and, and we called it that situation. The offensive mentality changes dramatically when they're backed up in a four-minute situation as opposed to taking possession at midfield. So, you know, some I think sometimes people think, well, you have two chances if you if you if you go for it on fourth there and and don't make it, you got to stop them anyway. Right. Yeah, stopping them on on our half of the fifty is a lot different than stopping them up. when they're backed right. up. You know, the pressure on the offense mounts considerably. So, uh, it was the decision that worked. That's the way we say it in coaching because the right and wrong decision doesn't matter. It's the decision that worked. Credit Coach uh, Satake with that. And a heck of a job by the defense of just getting more and more stout against Tennessee's run as the game went on. Ultimately, BYU does get the ball back on offense deep in its own zone. Now minute to play, and you need a field goal. Uh, You're on the 16-yard line when the series starts, but a holding penalty, and now you're on the 8. You're 92 yards away from the end zone. Now, you don't need to go all the way to get in field goal territory, mind you, but it's a rough spot. You need 60-plus yards to get in the field goal range, and you got there in just two plays, including uh, the play of Micah Simon's career, uh, which we're going to see here probably shortly. But, again, it it was a grind at this point. You're thinking, are we going to be able to get to where we need to go here? Yeah, yeah, and and that's a – when you say a grind – Every play had to be beyond the first down marker. This one right here ended up running off almost, uh, almost, know, 20, almost 30 like, seconds. Yeah. yeah, and and so at this point, every play has to be beyond the first down marker to at least temporarily stop the clock. Just a huge play right there by Micah, by Zach, and, and really by Matt Bushman, who drew coverage away from Micah. Uh, tremendous play, and then a, a clutch make right there. From this angle, it looked like it was right over the upright. It, you know, if the camera would have been... Over the left upright, I think, yeah. I think we'd have seen a little different uh, angle there. 
and that came after the clock play to get downfield. Make yeah. sure you clock it. You had you had enough time to do that, mind yes. you. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, and by the way, just for the uh, for the record on on in the rule book, if uh, if a kick goes over the height of the upright and there's a dispute whether it's in or out, you cannot go to video or check it out. It's yeah. purely a judgment call. judgment call. If 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 there's proof that it's below the height of the top of the upright, then you can go and check it out. But if it's yeah. over. You got to hope that the referee saw what you hope yeah. he saw, and you could, it's a little dicier there. But you, th- yeah. you said in real in real time in the real view, it's a little little cleaner. Yeah, we're, we were to the um, the camera angle that we just saw, at least on the video, was was in the middle of the uprights, and the ball went over the over the, the left upright as the camera was facing it, and so it's going to look like it's a little wider than it was. There was not much margin yeah. for error there at all. <laughs> we we'd like to put them right down the middle. It certainly, was not right down the middle. It did get you to overtime. Let's talk a bit about uh, Jake Oldroyd. I kind of had reminiscences of your first game on the BYU staff, which was a last-minute drive to get into position for a game-winning field goal, mind you, but similar. Uh, and, and yet there was, there was composure. Yeah. One lot of panic, panic. And then you bring in a guy who at that time hadn't kicked, made it. And this time, still in a limited number of games, comes out and makes it. Uh, in both games, Arizona in 16 and Tennessee on Saturday, everything you needed to get done got done at the right time. Yeah, yeah, he's... Uh, it, Jake the Make is the nickname here, and there's, that's a better camera angle right yeah. there. You can see it's a little more in, but uh, yeah, he, um, you know, he's just always impressed me as a very cerebral uh, player at his position. He he uh, he thinks about it, he studies it, and he has great confidence in himself when he gets up there. He's not he's not hoping. He he expects to make every kick and every punt, and he's been a tremendous weapon for us so far. And uh, he's had five games as a BYU Cougar when you can include his three as a freshman and now two post mission. And if you take away the uh, the 55-yard try against UCLA three years ago that was blocked, uh, every kick that he's taken that's gotten to the uprights has gone through the uprights. And uh, you, you'll take that from your place kicker. Absolutely, yeah. Love love his range, love his competitiveness and his results. Now, and it's it's kind of funny. He was on um, he was on the Sitake show with us last week, explaining how truly on that first trip to Arizona as a nobody knew who he was. Yes. There, I mean, there are a handful of people, yeah. but very people know that, who the guy was. Yeah, it was, yeah it was, I, I think it was pretty much just Kalani and I that knew who he was as far as guys on the team. And, and when, when we said going down that final drive, like, yeah, I, think, I think Jake's the guy to, to put this one through right here. He's, you know, and he had shown it in practice. Mm-hmm. It's just we, we went with the returning starter, and that returning starter hadn't, hadn't missed yet in the game. But uh, just felt like Jake had the best opportunity, and, and you know, fortunately he made the kick. So Mitchell Jurgens, part of our radio broadcast crew, uh, we were talking post game on the air about that Arizona kick that, that won the game, and, and of course Mitch held for Jake. Yeah. He said he'd never held for Jake Oldroyd, even in camp. Yeah. He was holding for the other guy, and then he'd yeah. go be on offense when Jake was kicking. So yeah. he did, he'd never even held for the guy. That's right. And and so he said that Ed said, "Let's get a couple practice snaps in," and that yeah. was it before yep. uh, Mitch was holding for that game winner back in '16. That's Great story. Exactly right. All right, time now to shine a light on uh, some players of the week as picked by the coordinators. You're the special teams coordinator. Jake's kind of maybe an obvious look, but you looked at three guys on special teams that you want to recognize. Uh, yeah, Jake Jake was the player of the game, but uh, I, this this week I wanted to get uh, back to the old days when I was a player here. We had two awards on, for every special teams week, one called the Top Rock, and that was the, the best coverage guy of the game or coverage player of the game, and then there was one called the Top Block, and I wanted to bring that back this week. The Top Block was Tyler Algier, who, who did... Uh, just a tremendous job blocking. I mean, I, I'm surprised that our offensive line coach is not trying to steal him away. Um, he did a great job blocking on pump, but then covering as well. He was he's just been huge in his special teams role. And then Zane Anderson, you know, it was, a, it was one of the all-time highlights on punt. I think it was a 56 or a yard punt or something. And and Zane got all the way down the field with a lot of speed. They had a great punt returner, and he tackled him for for basically a loss. 
Special Teams Players of the Week. There you go. Offense, uh, Coach Jeff Grimes gave us this guy. He's Micah Simon. Yeah, Micah, you know, from a – I have always felt like, as a, you know, when I was a head coach, the toughness of a team comes not from the offensive line and the defensive line or the linebackers. It, it comes from the receivers and the mm-hmm. running backs. And I feel like that defensively – the whole team is on the sideline just just watching for toughness and usually I would I would say a receiver shows that through his blocking and yards after catch but Michael was just so mentally tough in this game I mean every catch was huge every catch was with pressure the yards after the catch right here was the key to the game right we have to spike that thing at the 45 yard line where he actually caught it but he kept his feet kept going clutch clutch guy and uh, so happy for him personally because he's one of the more enjoyable players to work with. That's the thing. Uh, from a personal standpoint, a redshirt senior, a guy that's been around, paid his dues and um, is having what appears to be, at least to this point, kind of a breakout year and that's what you want a senior to, to be in a chance to do. Yeah, right? I think if you talk to him, he would say his breakout as a contributor was last year. Um, he started to just really realize his potential on our kickoff team. And he ended up one of the top performers on the kickoff team, made some huge highlight plays deep in the opponent's territory. And I thought his confidence grew at that point, and maybe our confidence in him as coaches grew, and, and uh, he's just carried that momentum right through. We saw on the, uh, on the screen there Micah si- smiling on the sidelines, and Micah smiling is a pretty constant feature. It is, yeah. yeah he's a tremendous leader for us in that, in that way. Great kid. All right, uh, Neyland Stadium. Uh, you got to see it from up, up, up on high as we did. Thousands and thousands of BYU fans. It's a sea of orange and big patches of blue. What a great representation, turnout, and uh, and, and really kind of motivator for the guys. I thought I thought the crowd support was tremendous. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, what a challenge for our guys. The the uh, the, the volume of the noise, uh, the magnitude of the stadium, the support that Tennessee had, and the way that they were playing. I mean, they, they, that was a desperate team playing their their best game of football, in my opinion. Uh, post-game celebrations uh, on the field with your fans in someone else's venue. It feels pretty good, doesn't it? Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> and those, our fa- the, uh, there were two sections of our fans, but the ones that, you know, by the time I got down from the press box, uh, the coach's box, the, the, the fans that were still mostly there were the ones way up in the corner on the second deck, and they looked like they were a mile away. <laughs> but uh, we could hear them, and I think they could hear us. It was a lot of fun. Uh, Kalani said the team had to sing the fight song twice because there were there were that many fans that stuck around. By the way, uh, Kalani was in a boot uh, coming home. That was that a post game celebration injury from Kalani, or how would that go? I think it I think it happened twice. Yeah, I think uh, on Micah's uh, pass, you know what, what the coaches if you if you see it usually what you'll see coaches do is immediately get get, yeah, get, yeah. get all the players back, you know, and and we're trying to hold ourselves back too. And I think it, I think he got rolled on somebody's foot at that point and then rolled it again just in the in the celebration at the very end he uh, took one for the team a he took times. he took one for the team and he was he was glad to do it and uh yeah he'll he'll be back strong as i mentioned at the very start again every win is going to be credited for, for for the effort it takes to get it but certain nights are special and and you got to fly home and think more about it but that was just a special night of byu football on the checkerboard sec country and doing what you did. Uh, I mean, I know the fans on social media were just buzzing for hours and hours after the game. Just a, a, a wonderful night. Exactly what our team needed from a team chemistry standpoint for the for the defense to rise to the challenge of playing the whole game from behind. We, we didn't tie that up until the final second. We trailed from the first drive to the final second of the game for the offense to come through in the clutch. 
um, that's exactly what our team needed. Great night. Well, break time once again. And a reminder that dinner after the game at JCW's includes something for everybody, from burgers to wings, shakes to salads, JCW's quality, and a lot of it in Lehigh. American Fork, Provo, South Jordan, and coming soon to Harriman. Coming up Saturday, it is BYU home to 24th-ranked USC. BYU radio coverage begins with Cougar pregame live at 1.30 Eastern. The kick at 3.30 Eastern on BYU Radio, the game on the ESPN family of networks. Coming up next, your questions for special teams coordinator Ed Lamb and a look ahead to USC. You are in the coordinator's corner, brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. Back with more in Studio C after this. Twins to either side. Snap Zach, handoff Tyson to the 5 push, 4 push, 3. Push. Pilots pushing, pushing, yeah. pushing, pushing, pushing. He gets to the he's goal in. line. He's in. No signal. He's in. They mark him short, but he's touchdown, in the end zone. Touchdown. Touchdown. They yeah, signal baby. touchdown. He got in, and the Cougars win. The Cougars have done it. Coming into SEC country and winning it in overtime. 29 26. Tyson with the knockout punch. You are in the coordinator's corner, brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. We were talking off the air about that particular play, uh, Coach Lamb. And, and uh, you know, Tennessee's off to an 0-2 start, and they're struggling and wondering when, when that win's going to come. That's still a talented football team. And, and when you recruit an SEC defensive line, you've gotten some, some great players in that group. And at the end of the game, it's O-line versus D-line. It's tight ends. It's everyone kind of – and it's, it's body against body. And BYU ends up pushing that group of good players backwards for the score. They did. What a tremendous job by our offensive line for Tyson to stay up and keep pushing and, and just a, a great way to finish a game from a momentum standpoint. Really a bounce-back week for us. That was how the Cougars blew the top off Rocky Top for thousands of those BYU fans in Knoxville. Now it's uh, another home game and another Pac-12 team at home. You will have uh, USC this Saturday. And uh, as we see more of how BYU wrapped things up there in, in Knoxville, uh, the next task is now uh, USC. And uh, they took a close game against Stanford on the weekend and blew it kind of wide open uh, with a true freshman quarterback at the helm right now. Very impressive. Yeah, they sure did. And the quarterback is just, I mean, what, what we see so far is he just does a great job of operating that offense. He gets the ball out on time, makes great reads. It looks like his pre-snap and post-snap reads are really on point. And it tells me that, uh, you know, offensively what they do is, is really what they do. And you see that from, from the offensive coordinator, the the playbook is the same from North Texas to USC, from Game One against Fresno to Game Two Stanford. You know they they really believe in what they do. I think all of their players know it inside and out, and so the execution is what really gives them the you know the edge. That was a one score game uh, at the break against Stanford. Stanford was by the way ranked at that time, and USC was not. Now USC is in the top twenty five. It was a twenty one to nothing. Uh, second half run for the Trojans. So they'll come in now at the 2-0. and They beat Fresno in the opener, right? And then the Stanford win. And then they get to BYU and Utah, as I think it turns out, in, uh, in back-to-back weeks. First time these two teams have met Coach Lamb in a long time was 2004, uh, the last time BYU and USC got together. Those were the Reggie Bush years. Those were something else. Um, and, and USC is, I guess, like, like playing at Tennessee, USC is something special for you guys to look to on the schedule. It is. Uh, any of the teams that are, that are getting national coverage uh, year to year growing up, those are, the, you know, before you, you really maybe um, decide which, which college you're going to go to as a young football player, those are the schools that you see and you're exposed to. And so it's a tremendous game opportunity for our guys when we get to play against um, teams like that. And, and I think the motivation takes care of itself, and it's another home game for us, another opportunity to show that we're improving. 
and uh, be a tremendous challenge. You know enough about USC already early in the week. What's the biggest uh, difference from what you just went through uh, against Tennessee to playing USC this week in terms of either stylistics or, or what has to get done? I think, um, yeah, I think from a style standpoint, uh, you know, Tennessee's offense really came out and wanted to establish the off-tackle run with big personnel and, and multiple tight ends, and, and they did a great job of putting us on our heels. We had, we had to really take the whole field to, to get stops. Um, you know, uh, USC, it will be uh, most likely a little bit more of the, the rhythm passing game, the controlled passing game. And they, they do a tremendous job of that. So we, I think we have to shift gears a little bit. We can't get caught trying to make uh, too many adjustments from last game, expecting those to carry over this game. It's a new set of challenges, a new offense with different strengths. Not that they, you know, not that they couldn't get big and, and really try to test us in the running game. We'd have to be prepared for that. Defensively, I, or, or, with our offense against their defense, I think there's going to be some similarities in that uh, it's, it's, it's a, an aggressive defense with a lot of speed, a lot of ability. And, uh, you know, our offense will have to be up for the, up for the challenge. Yeah, certainly, um, USC's offense, and you alluded to it, much more pass-heavy than either of the first two teams, Utah and Tennessee. Uh, you're going to see a lot more balls in the air this week. We will. Yeah, yeah, our our yeah. secondary will really be tested and our All pass right. rush. Uh, social media question from at BlueFalcon1594. Uh, BYU's defense has done the job to keep the offense in the game to win. Which positions have stood out to you that can account for the defense's success through two games? I think you know that's a great question. I, I feel like that it's team defense right now. You know, there's just been there have been times, as much as we've been on the field and for the length of drives that we've been on the field, it's taken more than 11 guys. It's taken more than one or two key plays. It's it's just been, it's been 22, 24 guys hanging in there together, and uh, we're playing multiple cornerbacks. A lot of them are young. Most of our linebackers, besides Kavika and Isaiah, are all freshmen. Uh, the defensive line's rotating in there, and guys are just guys are just finding a way to keep the ball in front of us and then tighten up down there in the red zone. It's not it's not the exact design, but it's you know it's it's design it's option one B as opposed mm-hmm. to the next option you give up big plays. And our, the guys have just done a tremendous job keeping the ball in front of them. And to your first point, you have defended a lot of snaps. Uh, the opposing offense has been on the field 20 minutes longer through two games than BYU's offense, you've defended 26 more plays uh, than, uh, than the opposing defense has as well. It's always, no matter how you win, just win, but it'd be nice to have a, a little more possession maybe and, and uh, give your defense maybe a little bit of a break. Yeah, and there's, there's multiple ways to chase that. You know, one, one way is, uh, is getting off the field faster on, on defense. And, and like outs, I say, yeah, the, like that. yeah the, the priority plan is to, is to get three and outs and get turnovers and give our offense more opportunities for more time of, of possession. Uh, you know, we, we don't always want to risk giving up 75-yard um, touchdowns because we're, we get so aggressive in what we do. So Coach Tuyaki's done a great job of balancing when to get aggressive and, and when to keep the ball in front of us. We've kept the scores down. Uh, two touchdowns in regulation now on the season, I think, is all we've given up. And tremendous, uh, tremendous job by the, the defenders on that. You mentioned Coach Tuyaki, and he is uh, coming up next. So thanks to you. We'll see you in a couple of weeks. All right. Good luck That's this great. weekend. Thank you. All right. All right, BYU TV will tune you up for BYU and USC this Saturday at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. Watch Countdown to Kickoff Saturday at 2.30 Eastern, 11.30 a.m. Pacific. The game will be on ABC and BYU Radio with a BYU TV returning for postgame coverage afterwards. Coming up next, it is defensive coordinator Eli Satuiaki joining us in the coordinator's corner here live from Studio C on BYU TV. Koji is next.
You're in the coordinator's corner, brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. And to start our second half hour, we welcome in defensive coordinator Eli Satuiaki. Hey, Coach E, how are you? Good to be back. Pretty good, pretty good Monday after what happened Saturday. <laughs> it was a crazy Saturday. It, uh, it was much needed for our team, though. So coming off the season opening loss, uh, what was your personal approach, and, and what did you want to kind of convey to your guys as you get ready to take on uh, on Tennessee, a team that was as disappointed as you guys were after week one? Yeah, we just we just really wanted to come back and, and correct our mistakes from week one and uh, just have, you know, be better about it week two. And, we you know, we ended up uh, just tallying 29 tackles in week one and um, 29 missed tackles, sorry. And uh, this, this week we had 12 missed tackles and... You know, it was more of probably missed assignments that led to big plays for us this last week. Um, thought the tackling was better, but it was just, you know, the boys played hard um, and uh, tackled better. But we we got to continue to get better as well. BYU ends up scoring 29 points, but it took two overtimes to get there. This was a low-scoring defensive affair throughout, throughout start to finish, basically. Yeah, it was... Uh, I, th- I thought that it was uh, exactly how we needed to win. I thought that we needed the defense to hang on all the way to the end and just keep battling. Um, we needed the offense to, to hold on to the ball, not turn over, and then come through and win the game at the end. And I think that was uh, huge for our confidence as a team, just for the defense to know that they can just keep battling and, and uh, try to get some takeaways and, and hang in there and that the offense will come through. So that was, that was huge for us. And whether on third down or fourth down, I thought BYU was particularly tough on defense. The Vols combined to go six for 19 on third and fourth. Your guys made it very, very tough for Tennessee to gain, let's call them the hard yards, on Saturday night. Yeah, yeah. You know, we, we went back and just and just looked at uh, all the stuff that we need to do. We have to be better on first down and um, obviously to, to put them in long situations. But I thought the boys battled hard on, on those critical situations, third down, fourth down. Uh, came up some, with some stops for some field goals in the red zone, which was huge for us. That's the thing, too. There were, there were times earlier in the game, let's say first half, when the offense isn't doing a lot yet, and their defense was kind of clicking it. But when they got inside the 35, they weren't able to get into the end zone. You held them two field goals, keeping it a one-score game uh, or nothing more than, say, a 10-point deficit when things might have gotten away a little bit. I, I thought the first half was key to keeping you guys where you needed to be. It was. It was huge, you know, with the, the, the fourth down stops, you know, throughout the game. But we had the one that... Um, you know, on on one of the one of the drives where we ended up keeping them from from getting the first down, that could have ended up being a field goal or, or a touchdown, stopping that fourth down. But then the the other one that they had, you know, they were one of one of three on fourth downs was just was just a kind of a lucky tip, and and it's just kind of the way that the ball ends up going. But um, we felt like we made them earn it, and and that was kind of the theme for the day was to to hang in there, to keep battling, and to, to tackle and and. Uh, I, you know, I thought that they were a different team. Uh, it was a different team that we faced than what we saw on film. They right. were physical. They played hard. They they knew what they wanted to be. They uh, they, got, they got woken up. They did. They yeah. did. And so it was two teams that showed up that badly needed a win, and and it was a fierce battle, and it was it was a good game. Down ten points at halftime as BYU was thirteen to three. What was being said amongst coaches and then to the players about uh, what needed to happen in the second half? It was mostly just uh, uh, the the message in the locker room, at least on defense, was everything big that we gave up, we 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 gave up. I mean, we shot ourselves in the foot with just some missed assignments in coverage, some missed assignments in the way that we were taking on blocks, and so we just had to be more sound, uh, more disciplined with our assignments, and uh, we felt like we'd be in a good spot as long as we did that. And I thought that in the third quarter we came out and and did that. The, the boys played hard. We ended up getting a takeaway on the first drive, which was which was huge. For the momentum of the game, the offense ended up scoring on it, and uh, you know we started to play a little bit more sound. 
Let's go right there. One of the biggest plays of the night does happen on defense, and it was early in half number two, third quarter early on. Kavika Fonu is INT, puts BYU in a great position to get on the board. Tyson gets you in. That's the game's only takeaway, and, and, and it changed the game, I thought. It put BYU right back it, in. It was. It was. You look at it, it was uh, our offense didn't give up the ball. Um, our defense ended up giving, getting, getting one take, and so, um, I mean, that was, a, that was a critical point in the game for us just to get out and, and have a successful uh, stop you know, early in the third quarter. And uh, Kavika did a great job just, uh, you know, playing all night. How's it been having uh, having him back on your side of the ball? It's It's been good. You know, he was with us for a year before he went over and played a little running back. But um, he's, he's such a dynamic player and just, you know, really good athlete and uh, great personality to have on our side of the ball. So he sets you up in the red zone. And then a couple plays later, Tyson Williams is taking it in for his first touchdown of the night. Short field touchdown. And now it's a one-score game. You're within 13-10. It feels totally different. A bit about Tyson. You're a defensive coach, but you've seen enough of Tyson on the field uh, to know that he can be a handful when he gets going. Uh, what a great addition to your team. Yeah, he's he's been really good. I, I think the the running back room in general. I mean, it's we've got a lot of depth there. We've got guys that can that can step in and and uh, and play and do a good job. And so you know, we we were the the. the Tyson, for us, we never really got to see him until our first scrimmage in fall camp. And so um, that scrimmage that we had where he kind of shined, um, that, that's when we knew as a defense, okay, we've got a really good back in Tyson, and we're excited to watch him play. There was one particular play, it might stand out to you, where he, he did a sidestep, made a guy miss, did a spinorama, dragged a couple guys downfield. It was one run that kind of showed everything he could do. Do you agree with that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He's a, he's a big-time back, and it's, it's good to have him on our side. So many uh, big plays were made by uh, Tyson and others to get out of Knoxville with the win. You see some of what uh, Tyson Williams did. When you include his reception number, you'll get him up to 100 yards on the dot on 20 touches on the dot and uh, two touchdowns. So he has three touchdowns for BYU, three of the Cougars, four. Uh, big plays on defense uh, the rest of the way for BYU uh, kind, of, uh, kind of were a hallmark in this one. And Austin Lee was making a lot of them uh, all night long. He, he made some phenomenal open field tackles that, that – uh... That got us off the field on third downs and, and just did a really good job in, in uh, tackling, you know, for the most part all night. And so, how about this play in the end zone? You know, that was <laughs> that that should have been. Uh, we had somebody that should have been in the middle of the field, and it was just again, just you know, a guy not being where he needed to be. But uh, Austin came up and, and got that out, and that really wasn't his play to make, but just because of, of his heads he play, he, he ended up saving us on that one. And that was the only play he made. He was involved in, uh, he mentioned his tackling. He was just a strong player, and he's not our player of the game for defense. We'll get to him in a second, and neither is this guy a player of the game for you on defense, but somebody that we're seeing a lot more of, and I don't know that anybody knew a lot about Atunai Samahe mm -hmm. when, when the season began. And he is a player for you and has been on a lot of meaningful snaps. Tell us a bit about Atunai yes, Samahe. He's, he's done a good job. You know, he, he redshirted last year. He came off his mission, and, and uh, uh, he got hurt during camp. And so he just had a sprained knee that kind of uh, hemmed him up for a little bit. And so we decided to redshirt him, and he just got stronger over the offseason. Uh, he's a little ball of just, I, I mean, he's, he's powerful, super powerful. And so, plays um, D tackle for you. Plays defensive tackle, does a really good job, and it's hard because because he's a little bit shorter. <laughs> he lever he leverages people just naturally because of his height, and does a good job. But uh, is a great kid as well. I mean, really obedient, just wants to wants to uh, you know play for the team, and a really unselfish kid. Does a good job. You've given him responsibility too to go make plays, and he's making some. Yeah, yep, he is. His, uh, I you know we we cycle through a lot of defensive linemen throughout the game, and. 
Um, you know, obviously when you're when you're playing a good team, there's going to be some good snaps and some bad snaps. But I thought that the the D line in general just played super hard. The, the the whole defense in general, there was it was a physical physical game. I mean, there was there was a lot of guys that were kind of getting just banged up just from the physical play, and the backers, you know, battled and. Um, Diane is another guy that you can you can say is is probably a, a candidate for player of the game. There's so many of those guys. Bracken O'Bakery in the defensive line room was was a guy that still stood out to me. JJ Nwigwi is uh, you know coming over and taking some significant snaps now and is playing and doing a good job. You came out of it health wise pretty good, as physical as it was. We did, we yeah. did, and so we've got to be smart about the way that we practice this week just to make sure the boys are ready for this next game. But that was a, a physical game. All right, brief timeout and a reminder for our Cougar fans out there that this week we are giving away a beautiful commemorative BYU football helmet. Visit our Facebook, Instagram, and uh, Twitter page and follow the directions on our latest post for your chance to win a helmet signed by our own coach, Kalani Sitake. When we come back, Coach E on how BYU got to OT and then won it in Knoxville. Plus, we look at his defensive player of the game from Rocky Top. This is the Coordinator's Corner on BYU TV. Trips left, including Jawan Jennings, who's having a big night so far. Aaron Tattle looks his way. Goes middle, intercepted. Cougars pick it off. Kavika Fodua, 30, 25, 20. Cougars in business. We continue on the coordinator's corner with defensive coordinator Elisa Tuiaki. We talked a lot with uh, Ed Lamb in the last segment about his uh, kicker and punter, Jake Oldroyd. Uh, going back to your first game on the BYU staff, that opener in 2016, you saw what Jake could do, and since he's gotten back from his mission, just keeps on doing it. That's why he has that nickname. It's Jake, Jake the Make. make. Yep. I, I mean, a lot of, I don't know if a lot of people know his last name in the <laughs> locker room. Everyone just calls him Jake the Make. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, and we saw the Fanua interception. We'll get to more from Kavika here in, in a bit. But I want to hit Jake uh, with you. Um, he had the game-tying points with, the, a second, uh, with a second to play in regulation. But to give Jake the shot at a kick, the offense had to pull off uh, kind of a minor miracle. Um, and... and uh, <laughs> You, you, you could just sit there and watch. You had to stand there and watch as Zach Wilson went to work on that long field in the closing seconds. Got back to the eight-yard line at one point after the hold. Time is running off. Seconds ticking away. And you're a long ways away from field goal range. What were you seeing? Never a doubt in my mind. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that was crazy. It was, it was nuts to just be a part of it. I um, you know, mentioned to you before we got back on, I... I've I've been a part of some crazy games, but I've also by most most of the time I'm always on the other end, and uh, I mean it's it's awesome to see the boys pull it out. Um, you know, I mean that's that that's nuts. That's just nuts. The amount of time that was left, no timeouts. Um, and like and Ed said, you know, if he catches it where or if he's down where the ball is caught, if he gets tackled there, it's still going to be dicey. He gets yak yards that that puts you where you needed to be. I was exactly. huge. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. Well, that was crazy. How well do you know Micah? I know Micah real well, yeah. What can you say about him? He, he's a great kid. He's a, he's a team leader. He's a kid that's got influence on the team, and the boys uh, believe him, um, follow him, love him, and he's, he backs his actions, back up everything that he preaches, um, and we're, we're happy to have him on the team. So he makes that big play that puts you in position to kick the field goal to get you to overtime. I'm sure you can empathize with the Tennessee defensive coaches because the only thing that beats you is a guy who gets past you or behind you, right? Right. And right. I know they were pretty frustrated after that game. For they that were. I, I don't. I don't. You know. I haven't. I haven't looked at the film. I don't know what coverage they were in. I, I saw the, the post game interview, and I guess one guy was supposed to be a little bit farther. De- you know, deeper back there. But, um, you know, it's just just one of those deals. It's sometimes players end up making mistakes that cost you, and 
but uh, sometimes players on our side make make, make plays, make plays that yeah. uh, give you a chance to to win games, and so that was that was awesome to watch. Okay, you've coached a lot of games in a lot of great venues: Neyland Stadium, Knoxville, Checkerboard, and as many BYU fans as you saw that night. It all coming together. What do you say about Saturday night? That that was a big time venue. That was a big time venue, and. Um, I mean, shout out and big ups to to Cougar Nation that showed up, and that was unbelievable. How many fans we ended up having there, and it was it was loud when we were off on the field on defense, and then it was loud when we were off the field. I mean, it was it was uh, it was just a cool venue to be a part of, and I know these kids loved it. I was listening to some of the audio from uh, BYU's scoring plays uh, after the game, and. And when Tyson Williams is scoring or when Jake Oldroyd's kick, the, the, you can hear stuff. It, it's BYU fans making noise in that venue. They sounded great. It is, yeah. They, they showed up. They showed up. And that was, that was a big-time deal for – you know, I was actually uh, talking with one of the coaches uh, uh, pregame. Just, you know, they were out there warming up, and, and uh, you go over and talk to some of the coaches. You know, I, I found out that there was, a, there was a Tongan coach on the other side. I didn't know that. I was like, hey, are you the only Tongan in Tennessee? <laughs> and uh, it's, it's him, you know, the only Polynesian is him and the linebacker. Henry Toto. Yeah. yeah, and so um, we were talking, he was kind of looking around, he's like, you guys travel well. I was like, hey, man, you know, that's just part of the, the, the Mormon mafia, man. And so he started laughing, but it was, uh, it was cool. It, I mean, we showed up to that game, and it was, it was fun. It's one thing when an SEC team – shows up to Tennessee with their fans. But when a team from two time zones away in the mountains comes and brings that much blue into that sea of orange, it was, it was super impressive. Yeah. All right, let's, uh, let's get to your defensive player of the week. We try and uh, recognize a guy that you thought maybe stood out. Uh, you, we've talked about some great guys who had great plays, but uh, one maybe more than the other, and we're going with uh, Kavika Fonua. Kavika Fonua did a, did a phenomenal job, and he was all over the field, did a great job just um, making plays, making tackles, you know, showed up on, on a couple of third downs, big third downs with, a, with one TFL, um, and uh, was really productive just overall. Just, just uh, having him back has been huge for us as a defense, especially with the young linebacker core. I mean, he's, uh, you know, had the only turnover of the night and uh, is, is just, is just a great kid to, to coach. It's, it's been, it's been good. And as we see here, first career INT uh, for Kavika as well. So that's a little bit of a milestone. And you know Tennessee wanted to be cleaner. They turned it over three times in their opener, and they were cleaner. They had only one, and you guys were cleaner, had no turnovers. And as we talked earlier, that plus one may be the ballgame on, on Saturday. Yeah, anyway. yeah, absolutely. If we don't, uh, if, if we don't get I – mean, if, if there are no turnovers – um, you know, I don't, I don't know if we have the chance to, to be where we needed to be, but that was huge for us to get the offense a short field so that we can score and, and be in striking range and just continue to battle. All right, as we head to break, we're letting you know that uh, for your daily Cougar Sports play-by-play, tune in weekdays to BYU Sports Nation at noon Eastern time. Coming up in our final segment, Coach Tuiaki looks ahead to Saturday's game with USC and takes questions from Cougar Nation. You are in the Coordinator's Corner. We're live in Studio C. We're brought to you by JCW's The Burger Boys. Back with more right after this. Coordinator's Corner is brought to you in part by JCW's The Burger Boys. Bailey's Moving and Storage. More than just a move. Siegfried and Jensen. Serving Utah families for over 25 years. All right, coming off Saturday's inspiring win in Knoxville, BYU hosting a ranked Pac-12 team at LaVille Everett Stadium, just as the Cougs did uh, two weeks ago, and they'll do probably again next week. Uh, this Saturday, it's a BYU home to 24th-ranked USC. Defensive coordinator Elisa Tuiaki with us for the preview. Uh, what do you already know about the 2-0 Trojans uh, this early in game week? You know, they're, uh, they're, they're very, very talented. They're a talented team on offense. They've got... Uh, 
the freshman quarterback, um, <laughs> you know, just just looking at stats and looking at just film from game one to game, I, I, he could arguably be better than the starter. That's the thing. I wonder how Daniel, how how, how much better Daniels have to be to get the job because this kid's really good. I mean, yeah, he's he's really good, and I, yeah, and he may, you know, sometimes you get a true freshman that comes in, it's a lot more pliable. Of, uh, for a coach to take and just make him more obedient. And there's less freelancing and all that. And so he seems to run the system very well. They've got they've got phenomenal receivers. They've got a good running back and O-line. O-line protects very well as well as runs the ball. And so, you know, they're they're going to be a, a, a tough team to beat. We've got to play well. It is the true freshman quarterback in uh, Keaton Slovis. Had an amazing night uh, on the week over the weekend against Stanford. Nearly perfect, really, uh, against uh, the Cardinal. And no shortage of weapons, as you know. It's a big challenge for you guys. Yeah. Yeah, we've got to play sound football. We've got to play assignment sound football, which is going to be the key for us. Just, uh, you know, we've got to tackle in space, which is going to be one of the things that will probably be more of what you'll see this week than you have in the previous weeks. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's definitely going to be a challenge. Interesting to see that uh, his high school coach down there in Arizona was uh, was Kurt Warner. <laughs> I knew, I heard about that. Yeah. I heard about that. He was well-groomed. <laughs> How about uh, connections on the coaching staff? Between you, yeah, your guys and their guys, uh, you know, Chad, Chad is there. Uh, Chad Kalhaha. We were, we were all together. Uh, he and I were together at Utah State first. Uh, he and Kalani, when when Chad was at uh, Weber, he and Kalani used to recruit together. And so you know, sometimes when you have a smaller budget, when he was at Weber, he would tag along with Kalani. They'd be in the same <laughs> hotel rooms. So we're really close. I was with Chad for three years there, and then we were together for two years at Utah before he left to Wisconsin. Then we were back together at Oregon State, and so he's. I mean, he's he's a close friend of, of both Galani and I's, and uh, Galani's and mine. Um, I don't know what the English is. It was, it was pretty close, me. I think, on the second floor. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, um, you know, jo- Johnny is another another just a Polynesian coach that we were familiar with, and um, gotten to know the head coach really just recently. Um, I have, but I know he and Galani know each other really well, and um, they've, they've got some good coaches on the other side. Baxter, the special teams coordinator, I had, I was special teams coordinator at Utah State for a little bit, and Coach against him. He's he's a he's got some Utah ties. Is married to Ron McBride's daughter, you know, and so you you kind of start to uh, uh, cross over a lot when you start playing playing a lot of teams on the West Coast and just coaches that have been everywhere. Okay, uh, social media for you now from uh, this is from at Colonel James eighty three. After reviewing the game between USC and Stanford, as you've done, how concerned are you with getting pressure on the USC quarterback and their version of the air raid? Um, you know, I think uh, if if pressure is the answer, then I think that would be a concern. But uh, the, he gets the ball out so fast; their timing is really in sync. It's uh, it's it's. I, I think we've got to give him different looks. We've got to give him different looks on the defensive side to make him clutch the ball and make him f- feel unsure about where he's throwing. But um, you know, it's. I, going back to this last game, you know, we felt like we, we, we could probably heat up this guy a little bit more than we did in the first game. And mm-hmm. um, we were actually going over our stats this morning just as a defense. And uh, I think it's it's seven, seven out of the eight, basically third and medium to third and long. We're all blitzes and we gave them all up. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's when we were drop eight or just rush four, we were a little bit more stout. And so, I, you know, to me, it's if the answer is to put more pressure on them as far as blitz in or whatever it is, then you do it. But if the answer is to just keep the ball in front and just play sound football and make them earn it and uh, keep, your, keep your team in the game and give your off, offense a chance to come back out and win the game for you, then I think that's what we're doing. So um, this, this last game was, was, was a great testament to just the game plan and keeping the ball in front of us and trying to stop them from big plays and making tackles and making them earn it. 
um, not turn the ball over, and then allow your offense to come out and win it. I mean, that was that was uh, exactly what the game plan was. All right. Good luck with the game plan this weekend. Thanks, Steve. Appreciate it. All right. That is a wrap on this week's edition of the Coordinator's Corner. We are back with you next Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific, with defensive coordinator Eliza Tuiaki once again and offensive coordinator Jeff Grimes. For Coach E and special teams coordinator Ed Lamb, I'm Greg Rubel. We'll see you next Monday right here on BYU TV. So long. Go Cougs.